You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. This is Victoria, your dog guru, and today we are answering all your listener questions. I collect emails, and periodically we have an episode answering all the questions that you guys have submitted, and uh, I give you my best advice. So, let's get right into it. Our first email says, Hi Victoria, just found your podcast and I'm enjoying it very much. A lot of good stuff. I'm currently on episode number 14 and catching up during my daily dog walk. My dog Vinny is a two and a half year old terrier mix that we adopted at six months. We've gone through all the obedience classes and he's done very well. He's currently registered as a therapy dog with ATD, Alliance of Therapy Dogs. We do some retirement home visits, but mainly go to LAX airport where we volunteer as LAX pup, pet unstressing passenger. So his calm demeanor and friendliness is what made me try out for therapy dog. My question is with the car ride. From day one, he never really cared for the car ride. Early on, he would shake a lot and pant. Now it's more of a pant from the moment we start driving. I take him on car rides four to five times a week. I thought with the amount of driving I do with him that he'd be used to it by now, but that's not the case. Occasionally, he does surprise me and seems pretty calm about it, but on alert. On side streets, he's much better than when we're on freeways. We have done a couple four-hour drives, and he does seem to be on alert and the occasional pant. When we do this kind of trip, we tend to take more breaks than usual. Surprisingly, he does not fear the car. When we are going out, he willingly gets in the car and jumps on his booster seat and happily sits unless we strap him into his harness. I have tried the ignore the dog routine and let him figure it out for himself. I've also tried the feed him treats and maybe pet him to show him that's all good. And none of that's really worked for his nervousness or his panting. Like I said, he's very good at learning and very well behaved. Would love to figure out something for the car ride so he can enjoy it more. Thank you so much and would love to hear your recommendations. Vinny is on Instagram if you want to check him out at Vinny the Terrier. Thank you, Miguel. Well, I'm glad that you guys listen. And um, okay, so let's talk about Vinny. So anytime you have an anxiety response, you really need to entertain the mind to do something else. You know, rewarding him and telling him, you know, it's okay is the same as rewarding him and telling him it's okay to be stressed. It's okay to freak out. You're not actually telling him, you're not sending him a calm message. You're not sending him a positive vibe. I I understand that that's the intent, obviously, but that's not what's coming across to him. What he's hearing is, okay, well, this was the right response was to freak out. Oh, okay. So I was supposed to panic and overreact. And so that could be part of the reason it's cyclical. Um, you know, when you're dealing with anxiety, you you really shouldn't be ignoring it. Um, there are contexts in which there's an exception to any rule, and I understand that. Um, I've had the exception of that rule in my hands and on the end, other end of the leash before myself. But I will say that when it comes to having your dog checked into you, and in, you know, rather than just left to their own advices, especially in terms of anxiety can end up really derailing the anxiety from manifesting in the ways that you're seeing. Now, the fact that you're seeing less uh, of a panicked response when you're on side streets means that that's kind of his threshold and I would start there. So you might try something where, you know, you sit in the back of the car with him and then somebody else is driving the vehicle. 
while they're driving. You might ask him to sit down, stay. Um, every time he looks out the window, you might ask him to leave it. So now you're asking him to reject the stimuli outside. So let's assume that it has something to do with the stimuli outside. So you'll say leave it. When he looks away, you'll reward him, give him a treat. So now you're asking him to do something. But let's assume that maybe it's not just the outside stimuli that he's keying into. Maybe it's the movement of the car itself. Um, if that were the case, then, you know, different speeds are going to affect him differently. And, you know, the inertia of the car is going to have an impact on his personality and how much stress he's feeling. In that sort of situation, you've kind of done what I would normally have recommended. You've got a booster seat for him. You've got him secured in, this, in the car. You know, if he's not vomiting, I wouldn't assume that he's necessarily car sick. It's probably just general stress and anxiety. Um, you might try playing talk radio if you don't see that that gives him any sort of uh, distraction. You're really going to have to work on keeping his mind focused on something else periodically. Like say you get to a stoplight and you ask him to, you know, you point from one car side of the car to the other and ask him to sit and lay down. So it's a simple task, something very, very... Um, something that he's probably very familiar with, but you're asking him to do something to distract him from what, what he already is doing, which is only focusing on the fact that the car is moving. You're only fact focusing on the fact that he can't exit the car. You know, the fact that he likes to go into the car tells me it probably has very little to do with the car and probably a lot more to do with the fact that he has no control and nothing to entertain his mind. You might also consider giving him a bone to chew on to kind of give him, give him a positive outlet for that stress he feels, but you know, he has something to do that's constructive and you don't have to be directly involved or reaching back there for him because you don't want to make the car unsafe just to manage the dog. Um, you know, a Kong toy can be useful for that. I recommend bones and Kong toys in, in situations like this a lot because when you have anxiety, sometimes something with a heavy scent or a favorite toy is what they need to comfort them. Another thing you could try is a, a shirt or a blanket that smells like you and popping that in the back seat so that he can kind of curl up in it and relax um, as if you were holding him while you're driving. So those are some suggestions I have. Give those a shot and let me know if any of that improves. Our next question is kind of a controversial topic. Um, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have it on the show. Uh, a viewer or I, I mean, a, a listener wrote in and said that they have a dog that's in a great deal of pain. And despite their be best efforts and a long regime of pain medicine for the dog, the dog is still having a great deal of difficulty functioning. On a regular basis, even given the medication and, and veterinary care he currently receives, he's still having a lot of seizures and he is now becoming less and less mobile. And I, as I was reading through her email, her number one question was what my thoughts were on CBD oil for canines, which is actually um, something that I've been wanting to do an entire show on, but I'll, I'll touch on it today just to address her initial question. Um, the CBD oil is something that I feel should be on the list of things to try, um, especially in a context like this. They've done hydrotherapy, they've done physical therapy, they have an orthopedic, they've tried surgeries with this dog. Um, but you know, when you're dealing with pain and seizures in an animal, now we're talking about management and quality of life. 
So when she wrote in and one of her chief concerns was, I don't want to harm the dog. I don't want anybody in my family or my neighborhood judging me for what I'm giving the dog. Is this unsafe? Well, okay, there's a few things that I want to say about this. To answer your initial question, no, it's not unsafe. Um, however, everything has to do with proper dosage, proper diagnosis, and we need to make sure that what you're trying to address can actually be addressed by CBD oil. You know, you don't give um, an animal CBD without doing your research. There are a, a ton of stores out there, that, or even online, you can buy it online, that will sell it, but it may not actually be authentic CBD, or it could be cut with different things that can be toxic for dogs or toxic to people. I know CBD oil is available online for, for people as well. So it, it's not that I'm against using CBD oil. I'm against using CBD oil that isn't CBD oil. Um, and, and definitely making sure that you've covered your bases medically. You want to make sure that you've, you know, gotten a first and a second opinion from a vet. But if we're talking, this is the picture, he's going to have he or she is going to have seizures and pain indefinitely, then management to me seems reasonable. I certainly wouldn't want to be laid up um, with back issues or, or hip issues or joint pain and seizures and have no alternative. Or perhaps the therapies that are available are not working for me. So when it comes to CBD oil, I would say, you know, you're still going to have to make that final call. I, I would never advocate my judgment over an owner's just the way I wouldn't over, you know, another parent's. But there is a time and a place for CBD oil. And this for sure, at least surf on a surface level, would seem that this could be the context in which it could be valuable and utilized in, in a, a medically necessary way. You know, there, there would be medical benefits, there could be psychological benefits, you know, it's just like you and I. If we're sick and we're, pain, and we're in pain, and then all of a sudden we start feeling relief, well, guess what? Our quality of life changes, our mood changes, our dynamic with our family changes. So those are things that sh we should be a little bit more mindful of. Uh, I actually, if anybody is interested, know of somebody who does sell legitimate CBD oil. I am not marketing uh, for her individually. You won't find her stuff on my website, but if you personally have a dog that's struggling with some sort of uh, permanent ailment or perhaps your vet has even brought up CBD oil, uh, feel free to reach out to me um, and I can connect you with uh, a, a colleague of mine who, like I said, you know, she's, she's someone that you can trust is not going to, you know, sell you a product that is not even what it says it is. Uh, and that's really one of my main problems is that it's very hard to regulate right now. And as a result of that, you know, we, you don't really know what you're ordering and what you're getting in the mail. And you certainly wouldn't want to further toxify your dog's body or brain. So just be careful, know the vendor you're getting it from, make sure that you know what you're getting and what concentration you're getting the CBD. Um, and that it's both weight and, uh, and ailment appropriate. So make sure you've checked all of that stuff. It takes quite a bit of research. Um, I do know that many vets right now are starting to include CBD oil in their natural therapies, um, as well as some mainstream vets. So, so do your homework, definitely ask around. Um, not everything you read online is going to be 
you know, legitimate information. I don't have to tell anybody who's listening that. You, you understand Google can pull up anything. So in the meantime, do your do your homework and reach out to some professionals. And if you do need any information specifically about CBD, it's not that I'm endorsing it. It's that I'm just saying that there, there are alternative therapies out there, just the way you would use aromatherapy. CBD oil can be just as beneficial as physical therapy. So anyway, that's my two cents on that. Our next question. Hey, Victoria, my name is Macy and my dog Schooner and I are going on a vacation this week. I'm not sure what I need to be doing, but I do know that he's never been on a plane before. What should I pack? What do I need to do? And what's necessary to get him on the plane? Thanks so much. Love your show, Macy. Okay, so that's kind of a loaded question. Um, I hope that and that this isn't going to be news, but if you are traveling with a pet, whether it's in-state or out-of-state, um, you definitely need to have a current list of uh, vaccines just to have handy on you. You never know when you're going to need them, especially if some emergency were to occur when you're abroad. The other thing you need to make sure that you've got is um, a reservation on the plane. Some airlines not only restrict what kind of pet you can bring on the plane, but how big they can be um, and how many pets total can be on board. So if someone else, for example, has a reservation for their pet to join them on the plane, your dog may not make the list. So make sure you do actually have a booking for your pet. Then you wanna make sure you're there a little bit more than an hour and a half early. I say that for a couple of reasons. Your dog needs to relieve itself, you need to check in, and balancing all of that before you actually have to be on board, especially if there's like a train in the airport or anything like that can be somewhat chaotic. So make sure you have a good hour and a half to get settled. The last thing I would recommend is make sure that you feed your dog about two hours earlier than you would normally feed them in the morning so that they can evacuate their system before they board the plane because you definitely don't wanna to have to clean that up. Make sure you have a travel bowl handy just in case you wanna grab water on the go. Um, make sure you have an emergency contact number on the dog's collar. And typically, if you're going to have them traveling on the bottom of the plane, they actually have temporary collars and they mark the crate and all of that good stuff. So I'm not sure exactly how you're going about this, if he's gonna be in the cabin with you or below in the belly of the plane. But in either case, make sure uh, you've got all that covered. The last thing I'm going to recommend is that there is something for your dog to chew on, something something that isn't going to harm him if it gets knocked around in there. So like a Kong toy, um, it doesn't even necessarily have to have a bunch of food in it, you know, just um, a little teeny bit of peanut butter to keep him occupied because there's a lot that goes on during transit and especially if he's in the belly of the plane, a, a distraction might be very welcomed. So think about all of those things, hope you have a safe trip and I'm just so glad that you guys are listening to us on your journey. Okay, so this actually wasn't an email, but this was a good question that my sister-in-law to be asked me yesterday, and so I'm going to share it with all of you guys. So she has a new puppy, and um, his name is Cooper. He's actually in the Dog Guru Hounds group, so you can check him out there. He's an adorable little tricolor Aussie. Anyway, so he <laughs> has been throwing them through uh, some new loops, and he's kind of been testing them and trying to see what he could get away with, and... Uh, he definitely wasn't in the mood to be eating all of the food that he was eating before, and so she was starting to get concerned. Uh, well, yesterday I got a question in my inbox asking me, uh, can he just eat once a day? Is once a day enough for a puppy? In my opinion, once a day isn't, isn't good enough for any dog. I try and feed every dog at least twice a day. 
that's for blood sugar levels, that's for consistency reasons, that's for training. There, there's like three different pivotal pillar reasons that I stick to that behavior. Um, but one of them is the blood sugar drop. You know, you never know if a dog is going to be pr prone to seizures or epileptic behavior. Uh, but I'll tell you what can definitely cause a dog to have a seizure is a drop in glucose. So for that reason, I like to make sure that their blood sugar is where it needs to be on a consistent basis and it's predictable because it, like I said, can also affect mood, temperament. Um, I've seen dogs mentally check out who are just very hungry and they were being underfed, not because their owners meant to underfeed them, they were giving them a lot once a day, but that got processed a lot faster than their owners thought. And so the rest of the day, they were just hungry. So twice a day is not only normal for puppies, but I feel like should be a general standard. I understand sometimes you get late and you go, oh shoot, I forgot to feed the dog. Okay, well don't make that a habit. It should be the exception, not the rule, um, if it happens at all. So that's my two cents on that. Definitely make sure you have a regular schedule on feeding dogs. Now, there are dogs who have heart conditions or struggle with obesity or have um, skin conditions. And for that, those reasons, they have to be fed either three times or only once a day, depending on the complication they're struggling with. So there are exceptions to the rule. You, you know, you've heard me say that before. When it comes to feeding with puppies, you're either feeding twice a day or you're feeding three times a day, unless there's some medical reason why you should not. But the general rule is at least twice a day. Okay, my last question is one of my favorites because I don't, I normally don't get into personal stuff on this show too much, but uh, a listener wants to know, okay, so how many dogs have you trained in your lifetime, give or take, and what are some of the struggles that you run into with your dog? Oof, okay. <laughs> so it's actually nothing groundbreaking that you're going to hear me say. I practice with my dog on a regular basis, but do I struggle with training him? Even with all of my experience, a puppy is still a puppy. It's just like having a young child. You know, they're going to put you through your paces. Uh, I've dealt with some of the chewing on things, the peeing on things, the accidents in the house. And that's with all of the right information, the right routine and the right tools. So it can happen to anybody. I mean, I, I, I think Patricia, when in our episode right before this, Patricia, actually goes into this a little bit and talks about how even the most qualified owners and trainers and behaviorists will run into challenges with their dogs. And it's true. It's very true. You know, we're lying if we say that we have the perfect dog at home because we don't. We just know how to manage it. <laughs> so that that's the one thing. And as far as how many dogs I've trained, wow, that's a high number. It's, it's, and, and this isn't an exaggeration. We probably a couple thousand. Um, definitely in that in that range over the, the the long period of time I've been doing this and every year that number grows a little bit not because I'm still actively training but because I come across dogs that need help all the time and so I'm still actively working even though I'm not doing it in a professional capacity you know I do consulting work still which I've mentioned on this show a couple times but you know there are people in right in my neighborhood that have sought me out, you know, utilized my services, needed help, needed someone to consult with that they could trust, somebody who could really look at the problem from a different angle. So while I'm retired, I'm not retired, and that number will always be growing. And I would like to think that I'm helping listeners too. So I'm sure there's hundreds and maybe even thousands of dogs more that 
are owned by people who listen to this show, whose lives are being improved without me even physically there. Uh, I'm still there for their owners and for them. I have a few announcements for everybody today. So we officially have a store, a series of merchandise is available from laptop and phone cases to t-shirts and exercise shirts, bags, like all sorts of cool stuff. So definitely check that out because every time that you purchase an item, it benefits the show, it benefits our network, and it definitely helps us grow. So I would certainly appreciate it if you take the time to pick up a mug, buy yourself a tote, and uh, ask your dog guru. Definitely would help with us spreading the word about our brand and about this show. So the more dog owners we can touch and help and bring peace within their home, I feel like is a win. So let's bring awareness. Go ahead and click the link in the show notes. Or if you're a fan of our page on Facebook, Ask Your Dog Guru, then you can go ahead and it's pinned to the top of the page and find it there. There's lots of different styles too. I'm actually gonna be getting the yoga, the yoga tops. So I am joining the trend. Join me. If you haven't already, please join us on Dog Guru Hounds. It's a Facebook group where you can share stories about your dogs, pictures, all that good stuff, meet other listeners. And we are going to be running some competitions in the next couple of weeks. So add all the people you can to the group right now. I will certainly appreciate it. The more the merrier. And if you have any questions or know someone who does have a question, they can email me at you at gmail.com, which is also in the show notes. And last but not least, I am going to be live tonight on Trivia Geeks Live, which is a game show hosted by Blazing Caribou Studios. So check me out there. You can see me live. I've never done a live game show before, so this will be exciting and a little nerve-wracking, but stay in there. We all have to face our fears. <laughs> if you need anything else, you know how to reach me. That's it for me today, everybody. This has been Victoria, your dog guru. Namaste. You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios.